Welcome to the Dog Mum Mindset Podcast, a place where we discuss dogs, behaviour, your lifestyle and everything in between. I'm your host, Lauren Hewitt-Watts, and I'm interviewing today someone very special. So her name is Nicole Harris. And Nicole and I actually go back a very long way. So she's one of the first people I probably met when I started as a dog trainer. And this is going back sort of eight years. And we've stayed in contact and actually stayed friends ever since and, and have worked closely on projects together and she's honestly such an incredible person she's full of information she's so clever and I'm just so happy to have her on here so a little bit more about Nicole so she's a clinical animal behaviorist specializing in puppy training development and behavior she's been training across Surrey Hampshire and Berkshire for over a decade and has helped thousands of owners and their puppies in that time she lives in Surrey with her husband and eight-year-old golden retriever Cammy, and Cammy is also amazing in this episode we go really deep into all things puppy and whether you're a trainer who is wanting to learn more or you're a first-time puppy parent then this is going to be absolutely full of information for you so let's go straight into it Hi Nicole, it is so amazing to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on. And I think we're gonna have a brilliant conversation because we go back quite a way. And the first thing I just wanted to ask you was, let's go straight into it. You're a specialist puppy trainer, um, an amazing puppy trainer. And I just wanted to find out the route that you took to become a specialist in puppies. Okay, so a um, bit of a whistle-stop tour for the uh, the background for me. So yeah. um yeah, so it all started really. I wanted to be a vet when I was a kid, and mm. that was always the dream. Um, do you remember vets? Um, vets in practice from the night. Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was like my favorite TV show, and I was like, I'm gonna be a vet. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, but I actually ended up um, when I was at college studying psychology as just mm. an extra subject, and just loved it. Thought it was awesome. So that really sort of triggered a interest in sort of just behavior in general but then animal behavior so um yeah so I started sort of learning more and went and did my degree in animal behavior and started working with dog trainers and yeah just loved that work thought that was amazing um and then I started doing more behavior work um became mm-hmm. an animal behaviorist um, and now I've kind of come full circle back around because now I've worked as a beha- clinical animal behaviorist for so long um you see like how those problems develop and actually how sometimes it can really start from those really early experiences so for me it's coming back around and going right what can we do to actually prevent these things from happening as much as possible and what support can we give to owners to make sure that you know they're fully supported in that initial journey that's that's kind Mm. of the big thing for me so yeah yeah Definitely. And I think you said earlier about um, it was kind of the pandemic time that you thought that you were going to specialise in puppies or was that more, was that because you decided that was what the route you wanted to go down or was that also coincided with there being just so many puppies during lockdown? No, do you know what? Yeah, good question. So I think it was just the pandemic. I think I was saying to you before, didn't I? It kind of made everyone kind of sit back and go, hang on a minute. What what do I actually want to do? <laughs> what 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 do I want my life to look like? And um, I was spending an awful lot of time working with a lot of amazing owners and a lot of amazing dogs and working on lots of different behavior problems. Um, but actually what really, really just makes my heart just glow is, is working with puppies and, and puppy owners. Um, and it was, yeah, certainly during the pandemic, I sort of sat back and took stock and went, right, what what do I really want to be doing now? So the full intention now is for me to come, like I say, full circle and just really focus my attention on those puppy owners and giving them giving them the best sort of support that they can get. So yeah, mm. absolutely triggered by the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And we were saying like what a nice feeling it is when you see a puppy from you I think you said you saw one from 10 years ago or an owner and she'd kind of learned from you and taken that and and gone with it and it's so rewarding to see that I think which is something you get particularly with puppies it really is it's one of the best things it's it's like you say it's when you've got when you've got owners who they come back they've got their new dog Mm -hmm. you know they were with you 10 years ago and they've got their new puppy and they're going we want to come back and we want to learn from you again that's always so lovely when you see them putting those things into practice and how amazing that relationship is and 
I, I've, you know, obviously I've, I've got clients who are really local. So, you know, I'll go out with my dog and I'll see my clients out with their dogs. And it's so lovely watching that happen. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It really is. Um, mm. Yeah. I'll never, I'll never get bored of seeing puppies and their owners. <laughs> it will never yeah, even when you see... No, it'll never be something that I can get bored of ever, ever. Yeah. Even if you see like a puppy in the street, I don't know if you're the same as me, but I'm always like, oh, I'm oh, going to go and see them. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to put the, the yeah, be, be sort of normal and composed, but inside yeah. you're going, I just want to squish them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And I think we wanted to talk about, um, I mean, we're going to cover a lot today anyway, stuff for trainers. Yeah also stuff for puppy parents and there's probably people listening to this that maybe are looking to get a puppy or they have got a puppy and they're thinking right I need some help and one of the things obviously you've worked with so many owners what's something that comes up that you think owners worry about needlessly with their puppies so they panic and they (laughs) and then you're like well well, I mean well the the short answer is everything you know there's a lot that people worry about, right? You know, especially I think at the moment, I, I'm i certainly seeing a lot of owners who are just very, very anxious. They're very conscientious. They want to get everything right. And I think it's a really difficult journey for them quite a lot of the time because there's so much conflicting advice online. So they do just worry. And I think there's this expectation a lot of the time that these puppies are going to come in. And I don't think people think they're going to be perfectly behaved, but that expectation doesn't necessarily always meet that reality right so um i do think sometimes it's it's just helping them to sort of understand that you know a lot of the things that their puppies are doing yes it's annoying um and yes sometimes it's a little bit frustrating and yes sometimes it's actually really stressful but it's it all sort of falls under that umbrella of quite normal um and it's just helping them get that support that they need so I think the big ones I I mean the big ones I get asked about is I mean play biting has got to be on the top of the list right you know I think when we all I think most owners expect a puppy to bite um Mm. not all owners are expecting the level that they get um and I think they worry they they go oh is this is this level of biting normal um and sort of you know they just need someone to go in and look at it and go, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate that you've essentially got a crocodile hanging off your yeah. jumper, that actually this is, this is all very normal. Um, it's just helping them to understand that, you know, why might it be worse at certain times? Exactly. You know, it's all yeah. that sort of stuff. I suppose the, the being left alone, that's another yeah. one, right? So um, certainly just that expectation from owners, I think they worry when their puppy can't just cope with being separated from them initially and again it's that understanding that you know they're a social species they if it's not if it's not been taught yet um they're not necessarily going to be able to cope with that um and it's that it's that expectation versus reality question all the time for me um Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard for puppy owners especially new puppy owners who Mm -hmm. you know they've not experienced it before and all they've got uh you know facebook and (laughs) all the lovely social media yeah lovely in inverted commas advice very well-meaning people on social media who are you know putting their their ideas across but it it can really be very very conflicting and really difficult for puppy owners right Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's it's it's i hate to say that they worry needlessly but you know it's yeah it's not necessarily needlessly but um there's a lot of worry there perhaps yeah is not it's um it, I don't want to say unfounded either that's not even it it's it's what's the word I'm it's not it's, it's not a bigger I think a lot of people think that their puppies are aggressive for example they've yeah. got a behavior issue they've got this is going to be a puppy that's going to be an aggressive yeah, dog yeah so it's it's I, I know what you mean it's hard to word it because it's not need you're completely right it's not needless if someone is worried about something that is completely oh, valid yeah that, yeah that's you know and they need to have somewhere to go with that um so yeah, it's an interesting, when I actually got Alto, I, so I'd done all my academic stuff in animal yeah. behavior, but I got him as a puppy and I was like, oh, it'll be fine. You know, I, I, <laughs> I know about animal behavior, honestly. And, and I look back now and I just, it, it was a shock. It was a shock to the sister. It was my first puppy of my own. So not my, you know, my family pets. Yeah, yeah. And it, it does because he would bite and he would, you do the toilet training and you would do, and, and he, and he actually, I think was quite a good puppy, yeah. but I do remember the shock yeah. of 
you kind of know it, but you don't know it until you really are in it. And I think that's maybe, is that what you find with your puppy owners? Yeah, and actually it's really interesting that you say that because I I know we've spoken about this before because I had a very similar experience with Cammy. You know, she was, she was a difficult puppy. Um, And again, going in with the knowledge that I had, um, again, I think sometimes a little bit of knowledge sometimes you can have too much you almost sit there and overthink it I think that's that's a big thing for me is I'm seeing a lot of owners it's those conscientious the the real the the owners who are doing lots of reading around the subject and so amazing like my favorite kind of owners who are perfect people to work with best and soaking up all the information but because there's so much out there and because it's so conflicting it's really difficult um for them and like I say even even with the knowledge that I had and obviously the knowledge that you had when you you took on alto it's really hard when you're faced with it and you're you've got that emotional connection Mm -hmm. to the dog or to the puppy and you're just you're desperately wanting to do the right thing and you're sat there going am I am I even doing the right thing I don't know I don't know anymore it becomes really difficult so yeah I completely I completely feel for for puppy owners yeah it's it's a a tough one why why yeah why do we do it why why do we get one Oh, but they're so worth it. That's the thing. That's what I always I say to my puppy owners when they come to me and, you know, they're right in the thick of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I say, you know, it's easy for me to say now, but trust me, six months down the line, you're going to look back at this and you're just going to be oh, just, you could just mm. wonder what it was all, you know, why, why you were worrying so much? Because you just, you get to the point where you just fall in love with them so much that it just doesn't matter anymore, does it? Yeah. And once you get to know them as well, I think that's part of it. You're kind of bringing this small animal into your home and you don't know their personality you don't know their you don't know them but once you've made that bond with them I think it it, like you said six weeks even down the line you you know what makes them tick and they understand you and I think that makes it easier as well huge amount yeah a hundred percent I think that's that's a big thing as well right so for new owners when they're really in that thick of it that can really it can make it really difficult to to build that bond because you I mean I'm I'm quite happy to put my hand up and say when with my puppy when I first had her I didn't really like her all that much you know it was and it was really hard to build that bond um and I think a lot of owners do kind of go through that as well which is really really tough so um but yeah it it does come I think that's one of the hardest things you said like if, if the owner actually thinks deep down I actually don't like this puppy and they're the one doing all of the work that's hard yeah yeah I think yeah. it, it creates a lot of guilt because I think there's, and again, you know, there's a lot of stuff on social media of people having this amazing time with their puppies and it's all lovely and amazing. And I think if you're that owner who's sat there going, actually, I don't really like that, like my puppy all that much right now. Mm. There's that guilt of, you know, oh, sh- should I be feeling this way? Is this no- is this normal to feel this way? You know, so it's it becomes a big thing. So mm. yeah, it's it's I can see why people do struggle with it. Um, yeah, and especially coming out of that coming out of the pandemic um, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a lot of people who are just just struggling a little bit you know so yeah yeah you're getting kind of it's, it's a very different world to when you get your family you know 50, it was longer than 15 years ago it was <laughs> age, you know longer than that but when you got your dog before it was more like this is a family dog and and this is what dogs do and it wasn't no one really was that bothered off dog growls just leave them alone it's fine and now you've got this difference where it's like I think they're being bred differently and then they're part of the family in such that they're expected to have so much more on them do do you think that plays a role in it as well yeah I think so so as in like the the expectations you mean like a well again coming back to your question like what's Mm. what's kind of normal you know and what what should we what should we allow from our puppies I think there's a lot of sort of a narrative out there that you know dogs should be perfectly behaved and like you say they shouldn't growl and that's bad and blah 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 blah. um when actually I think some of what's kind of missing nowadays is that understanding that they are their own autonomous beings you know they, they are their own individual with their own thoughts and feelings and you know some of them have been raised in a certain way and are maybe more robust and can cope with things and then others maybe haven't had that that upbringing so they aren't necessarily so robust and they take longer to warm up to things so um it's that understanding that you know if we talk about the topic of socialization for example like what yeah. that actually looks like for 
an individual puppy might be very, very different to another puppy because their needs are so different. Um, and I think that's really difficult because, you know, you go online and you go, right, how do I how do I socialize my puppy? And you'll get given, you know, a template. This is what you should do. Tick, 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 tick. And I think that's really difficult because that's going to be appropriate for one puppy and, just and not so, necessarily yeah. for the other. Um, and again, so for owners who are well-meaning, you know, wanting to go out and wanting to find this like amazing information, um, you know, they'll go out and go, right, brilliant. We've got a checklist. We can go through it. Tick, 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 tick. And it might not be the right sort of scenario for their their individual puppy in front of them. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Just that that understanding of individuality. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And do you think that, for any owners listening so we've kind of gone over a lot of behaviors that I was gonna say. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of behaviors that they do that are normal that they maybe yeah. don't think are normal but are there any things that you see that puppy parents come to you and they say oh my puppy does this but I'm not that bothered and actually you see it as a deep not a deeper behavior issue but something that they should be more mindful of or are there things that you see me even on social media or things that you see that you think oh I think we need to be more yeah more mindful of puppies around this yeah Yeah. so yeah so I mean there's I guess for me there's there's sort of two there's two camps aren't there so there's the there's the things that are like the truly like abnormal like this isn't right so really I think the, the most common one from my perspective would be um you know a puppy that's toileting really frequently and uh, an owner's that's going oh well it's just not toilet trained yet um and actually you're sat there going well if this is happening really frequently, there's a possibility that there could be a UTI going on. So we've got that that side of things kind of going on where, you know, actually, do we need to get a vet involved to just check there's nothing medical going on? Because it's not necessarily just behavioural. Mm-hmm. There's that side of things. But I guess if if we're looking at sort of what I would look at as, like you say, not it's not a necessarily a problem but it's like a red flag I'm there and That's I'm there going, way of putting it. Yeah. Okay, yeah ding 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 this could become yeah. a problem later down the line if, if we don't get in there now and maybe give the right support at the right time so I think broad strokes the, the two big ones for me would be it's the puppies that um like quite obviously struggle when they are not getting their own way um you know so they're put in a situation where they're maybe they can't get access to something and they really struggle with that. Um, and there's an explosion of behavior, whether that's barking or, you know, sometimes you do get a little bit of a growl or, you know, they're just desperate for stuff and they really struggle to cope with essentially the frustration of not getting things yeah. where they want it. Um, and, you know, f- uh, you know, frustration is quite normal in puppies and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's, I do sometimes go out and see puppies where it's at a level where I think, oh, if it's if the right things aren't put in place now um and a lot of that is is down to how maybe the owners are just interacting with that puppy um Mm -hmm. just making sure that you know the the and a lot of cases that puppy just needs to be given really 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 clear guidelines you know it's not about you know telling it off or anything like that it's just it just needs some clear guidelines to help it to understand what what the rules of engagement are really Mm -hmm. um so I think that's a big one because I think frustration is as an emotion can have quite you know it can be quite challenging for owners and again especially if it's a if it's a first time dog owner mm-hmm. um frustration is it can frustration be, can be tough, yeah. yeah real tough one to work with so that's probably a the first one that I go red flag ding 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 if I see it I'm like oh okay well, we probably just want to keep an eye on that um have you got an example of that I'm trying yeah anyone? I'm trying to think so um I think where the big one I probably see is um it's really really common for when puppies are little and they get themselves into everything right so they're they're digging around they're you know trying to get in the plant part and they're trying to get behind the sofa and they're digging the cushions and they're doing all those really really annoying things and it's really really normal for an owner to want to just intervene and stop that and for example just to go and place their hands you know either take the uh, puppy by the collar and want to move them away or just pick them up and move them away and I think where I see um sort of sort of an excessive frustration response might be that situation where the owner goes to move them and the puppy essentially just goes oh 
I'm not getting what I want anymore. This is really frustrating. And they might sort of just direct that onto their owners. So that the owners might end up with, they get nipped a little bit, or they might just sort of wriggle out of their arms to try and get away from them. They might get a little growl in that situation. That's probably the, the most common situation where I would see it with puppies. Um, and like I say, it's, it's quite no- normal. It's a it's normal yeah. response. Um, you know, when it's same with humans, right? I always say to my owners, you know, if you, if, think of it a little bit like a person who is stuck in a traffic jam and there are you know there are some people who get stuck in a traffic jam they're on their way to work they're late they want to get somewhere quickly and the traffic jam is stopping them from getting where they want to go some people are going to cope with that frustration really really well and they're just going to sit there and they're going to quietly mumble to themselves and they're just going to go oh this is a bit annoying and there are the others that get road rage and start slamming their fists on the horn and they start you know swearing and what have you you know two very polar opposite ways of dealing with a with with a situation and then we get the puppies that you know that do the same thing and it's not a problem when you've got a puppy that's sort of you know struggling with frustration but it is a flag for us to say oh maybe this puppy needs a little bit of extra help to cope with that a little bit because it's really what we're talking about there is that emotional regulation right like this puppy is just not able yet to be in this situation and and cope in an in a way that is appropriate for us as owners i think that's the key thing right it's it's what's what's tolerable to an owner and what's appropriate so Mm. yeah i think that that would be the, the big one i think another one again like red flag wise on the flip side of that for me would probably be the you know the puppies that they they're just very shut down um, mm. and very very wary of anything yeah. anything so it's the ones that you know we're trying to take them out for a walk and they just won't go beyond the front door because everything's terrifying you know they go out um you know they try to take them to the park and they're just stopping frozen you know don't want to have those experiences they're not wanting to explore there's there's a barrier there for them that just says this is this is too much um, and again going back to what we were talking about earlier about appropriate socialization experiences i think it's it would be easy a lot of the time with those puppies it's like well let's just expose them as much as possible which is a lot of the advice that people yeah. give and you see is just exposure exposure therapy I hear a lot yeah. sometimes yeah. So, yeah. exactly it's just expose them to it and eventually they will get used to it and unfortunately there are some puppies where actually the constant exposure right it just mm. they they just get more and more inwardly introverted essentially it's just this is overwhelming and I'm now learning that being in this situation is scary so they're learning that actually you know going to the park not a fun experience you know going out for a walk not a fun experience so that's where like I was saying earlier you know having these sort of socialization checklists they are great to a point like they're amazing but when we're looking at the puppy and the individual in front of us it's looking at what's appropriate for this puppy you know, what does this puppy need to build its confidence so that it can go into the outside world and go, do you know what? Actually, I can cope with this. You know, I've got my mom, I've got my dad with me or whatever it might be. You know, I have the tools to be able to know that if something's scary, I can go back to them for support. You know, it's all those things putting that in place. So Mm. I think those those would be the two two red flags for me that I want to, yeah. And it's interesting listening to you because there's a lot of thought that needs to go into it. So Mm. it's not, I think people sometimes think puppies are the easy option. And I do think training a puppy can be, once you know what you're doing, it it is easy. It's, It's lovely, but it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say it's the easy option to just be like, I'm going to go and train puppies because that's easier than training, um, older dogs I think I'm not saying one is more difficult than the other what I'd be interested to know from you is is that kind of how you feel about it I think you just wording it like that has actually kind of just made it sort of click into place I think you're absolutely right I think from a training perspective a hundred percent I think actually the the ins and outs of training a puppy to do a thing like teaching a puppy to sit teaching Mm -hmm. a puppy to walk on lead teaching a puppy to come back when called you know those things 
actually really, really easy because they're so willing to learn and they're, you know, often quite so motivated. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just such a fun thing. And you're not dealing with necessarily previously learned behaviors. You know, you're just teaching them as a brand new blank slate. So amazing. What I think is the big one is it's all the other stuff. It's the stuff that doesn't fall into the category of training it's the behavioral stuff and I think that's where it gets really difficult right because there there is it's not a black and white situation you know Um, but that distinction between what is training and what is behavior work um, I think personally um, when we're working with puppies a lot of behavior work preventative behavioral stuff needs to be in place and that's the bit that's the tricky bit it's the nuance but like I was saying you know the nuance between is this a puppy that is just you know coping with life and robust and happy or is this a puppy that's struggling with frustration issues okay well we need to look at that emotion of frustration and that emotional regulation that's behavioral work really or is this a puppy that's really fearful you know struggling with anxiety issues around whether it's just general or whether it's specific things that are triggering it. You know, I am worried about, I don't know, dogs when I'm out and about on a walk. Or I am worried about traffic because cars are really loud and scary and noisy. Or I am scared of dogs barking and I don't want to go in my garden because actually the dog is barking next door and that's really scary. You know, so that's when I think that's where it gets more tricky because having that knowledge and that understanding of, you know how that can devolve and how that can become a bigger issue down the line and knowing what to do to prevent that that's that's the tricky bit and that's that's the bit that I think is hard mm. teaching them the basic stuff is brilliant yeah. I think that's awesome <laughs> that's great and I think as well like what you were saying is is good trainers will I assume refer on to behaviorists like it's a a good part of training is knowing that line isn't it and knowing yeah is this a a puppy behavior that is training or is this edging into that needing some more support from someone who's a behaviorist so um yeah because I think well like you and I have experienced in the past like where is that line Hmm. (laughs) because it's 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 a movable gray area really it's not a line and I think that's that's where it's a bit tricky but like you say I think just trainers being really conscientious about what their what their limits are and at the point where they go this is beyond actually my skill set training um yeah absolutely um and I mean this this goes off on a complete tangent really Mm. (laughs) but I think it's an important point you know and I know there's a lot of buzz around it specifically in the dog training and behavior community at the moment you know the the need for more collaboration between trainers and behaviorists to make sure that you know if you're a trainer who sat there going I'm not sure if this is within my remit well wouldn't it be lovely to have some behaviorist colleagues local to you that you can contact and be like look you know is this something that I should be working on or is this something I should prefer? And equally behavioral, you know, colleagues who have trainers who they can say that, you know, I'm not so hot on the teaching of the skills bit. I can understand why the puppy is behaving the way they are, but maybe my skill set is not about teaching them the things that they need to help with that. So yeah, that collaboration is really important, I think as well. So yeah, no, it's just things for, um, great for trainers to listen to but also for puppy parents to listen to as well it's just I think what's probably coming across here is is just doing your research when you do get a puppy trainer because you're entrusting such a precious part of their life to someone and you just want to get that bit if you can get that bit right like we said oh it will you'll have a dream whereas if you get if you just take on the trainer that maybe isn't as aware of, of these things then that is and it's not to scare anyone at all I don't want anyone to come away and be like oh I'm more confused about what trainer to get and all of this but it's just it's just I mean if someone's listening to this they're probably incredibly thoughtful like we said that conscientious thoughtful person anyway so um yeah but it's really interesting to kind of reinforce that and and listen to that through you as well yeah I think I think that's that's a you know like a really valid point like you know it's there are some you know amazing trainers and people out there having having someone who can support you with that real in-depth always like with anything isn't it you know it's it's always great to know that you have got someone supporting you and who's got your back who can really really sort of dig down into what is going on um 
you know it just gives you that that other level of um reassurance I think mm. I think that's that's the key bit there so Definitely. yeah and um, one question I had for you is I think I kind of said it earlier is can puppies be aggressive so have you seen aggression in puppies and what does that look like what can that mean if you see that sure so it's really difficult isn't it because I think the the term aggressions are really <laughs> it's a bit yeah. of a in itself people right? panic yeah, yeah, they hear it, yeah. Right? I think people people think aggression and they think dog that is going to eat them bite them kill you know like really awful things and actually I think you know as professionals we know that you know aggression is just it's just communication really Mm. an animal communicating something so um you know it's when we get a puppy have I seen puppies being aggressive I have seen puppies who are communicating very strongly that they are not liking a specific situation Mm -hmm. so I think yeah that would look like aggression to someone um I think from my perspective I'm usually looking at well what what why are they doing it you know what's the driver behind it um and you know what can we do to make them feel better in that situation because quite often I think you put that term aggression into the into the mix and especially for owners it it just it's it's a real like emotive word isn't it Mm -hmm. um yeah so like a really good example I think would be um like what a lot of people would call like resource guarding um but for me like you know you see it with puppies quite often you see um you know they've got hold of I don't know the kid's slipper or the kid's toy um and the owners or the all the children have gone up to just take it away because you know not you know not thinking about it just going well that's mine so I'll take it back Mm -hmm. um and I think you know some puppies will just go all right well you can have it back and that's that um and some puppies will do what we know is that that really low level sort of oh I'm not really happy about this so you get that stiffening up behavior like the head turns away slightly um and we know you know at that situation when we see that behavior we're going okay that's a puppy that's communicating with us and saying not really happy about this but I think what can sometimes happen is in those situations because that body language isn't being read um that's 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 really hard isn't it because that's a whole other that's a whole other I know I know um but you know then the puppy learns okay well if I tell them if I communicate this discomfort by going stiff that that doesn't get my message across effectively so then we end up with a dog that goes okay well I'll try something that maybe will get my message across more effectively and that's where that communication turns from I think it was the ter- a lot of people sort of talk about don't make a whisper into a into a um yeah that's a nice loud, yeah. a, into a, a shout, shout or into yeah, a, yeah. yeah that's, that's kind of exactly it isn't it it's you know puppies are quite often trying to whisper please don't I'm I'm not comfortable and that unfortunately it just becomes them shouting and it's no different you know if someone came up to me and I've, if I've got my car on my driveway and someone started to steal it off my driveway exactly you know, yeah I'm gonna have something to say about that you know I'm gonna shout and scream out the door as, yeah. the, as they drive off with my car so um you know I think that those are sort of those typical situations that it it I, I might see that sort of behavior but I see it more as a it's a communication and again if we're talking about puppies I find it's very unusual for a young young puppy to get to that like if you're seeing a young young puppy getting Mm -hmm. to that point I mean that has to be a very confident either a very confident individual to be able to go oi get away from my thing Mm -hmm. I usually find that we're starting to see those sorts of behaviors where they're escalating at that point nearer when they're sort of hitting adolescence so yeah that's when you know you get owners who previously maybe they've had a puppy where they've always been able to take stuff off them so they've had what they've had the puppy since eight weeks and then all of a sudden at six months they've had four months of just doing this with a puppy taking stuff off them and then at four at six months the puppy goes actually do you know what I don't I don't want this to be a thing anymore um so yeah so I think that's that's when you're more likely to see it maybe as the but the older puppies because actually that's a really good point a lot of people don't realize that they are puppies up until around six months of age but actually from then they are adolescents I get a lot of people who will contact me and say oh I've got a puppy Same. he's you know eight yeah. months and 
it's explaining that developmental stage. Actually, we are very much not in the puppy stage anymore. You know, they are puppies until they're six months. And then, I mean, approximately, and then mm-hmm. we're a teenager. And, you know, we're not a mature adult until we're, what, 18 months, two years-ish. Exactly. So, yeah, just, again, helping, um, you know, owners to understand that, just the developmental, the you know, where what they're doing and what's going on with the brain and the body all the way through that as well. Oh, Lauren, we can talk for hours about so much stuff. I know. <laughs> so much. I'm sat here going, oh, God, we could go off on a tangent here. <laughs> no, you're doing amazing. No, it's so, honestly, so valuable for people listening. It's amazing to hear all this stuff come out. So, um, yes, it's brilliant. And if someone, I suppose, sorry, going back to that, if someone suspects their puppy is using, I'll put in quote marks, yeah. aggression, what would you suggest that they do? So I think as, like a, as a first kind of, oh, my puppy's growled over a bone. What should, not, not so much in training terms, but what should they, what should they do? I mean, from my perspective, I think the first thing is you want to have someone get eyes on that behavior to see what's going on. Um, and really at that stage, I'd be saying, you know, it's let's get someone who's got some behavioral expertise who can really understand the emotional component behind that. Because quite often, especially in that context, you know, resource guarding, I, I see a lot of resource guarding in sort of, you know, older puppies, young adolescents, that's, that's actually really easily resolvable, because it's just a question of just going, right, well, let's look at this situation. Why is this dog behaving in this way? Okay, well, we've got a history, the dogs learned this is a way to deal with this behaviour. Sometimes there's some management stuff going on that, you know, bits and bobs are being left out when perhaps they shouldn't be. And that's creating the situation in the first place. So often, it's just little changes and tweaks that just need to be made. But it's getting eyes on it, and having someone with some behavioural knowledge going, this is this is just a simple guarding issue that we can, you know, we can work through very, very simply with some really basic training techniques and some good management in place. Um, and, you know, just essentially helping the puppy to feel a little bit more secure in this situation mm-hmm. versus actually we really need to do a risk assessment here you know especially yeah. if we've got bites going on mm-hmm. um and obviously you know the, the work that I have come from doing clinical animal behavior work you know it's you do end up getting to that side of things where you're mm-hmm. seeing you know bites and things that are quite you know heavy duty but it's it's not I, I don't think that's the the common <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of situation not with you know young young puppies so I think it's just yeah knowing that there is there is help out there. It's not just a, oh, my dog does this. I have to deal with it and I just have to cope with it. Um, knowing there are people out there who can help, for sure. And and also, I think as well, a lot of people think, oh, I have to go to a behaviourist. It has to be a clinical animal behaviourist and they have to do it. It could be that you get a behaviourist who, like, like yourself, you're a behaviourist, but you're also a trainer yeah. and you're able to help puppies in a way. It, it's I think people panic and think they're going to have to go down this massive clinical route and maybe they might have to yeah but it might be like you said actually it's an issue that with some some training and behavior knowledge can be easily resolved um yeah yeah yeah. I think the the main thing is um it's probably more you see more of a fallout when people say right they've growled so I'm going to do this myself and then that gets practiced and then it turns into so it is it's a yeah really good point to say get someone it's the thinking oh I will do it myself or worse and I'm sure this is no one who's listening to your podcast at all but it's the right I need to show my puppy who's boss Mm. that route of I need to make the puppy know that I am let's use the terms pack leader you know that sort of train of thought um and again that's a whole other conversation but you know that quite often ends up going down a rabbit hole where we actually end up doing the complete opposite of what we're trying to achieve which is making the puppy feel even worse around the situation and more likely to show aggression unfortunately um so yeah I think that's that that's the main thing yeah it's so interesting actually because I never really ever talk about don't use pack leader don't use this because I just kind of know that most of the people that listen are kind of down that route but it's made me think that maybe I'll do a little episode on on that because it's very very interesting you know what it's really interesting because actually I don't hear as many people talking about it anymore um but I know other trainers do so I do wonder like I 
I'm very clear about the methodology that I use as a, as a trainer and behaviorist. So I don't think that the people who want to use that methodology sort of really come to me, to be honest, yeah. um, because we're not a good fit. You know, if, if that's how, you know, someone wants to train their puppy and train their dog, um, that's going to be very much at odds with my ethics and how, how I work. Um, so I, I, it's interesting because it definitely still exists in society that that thought process and you know it's still in fact it was only the other day there's um something doing the rounds on on social media it was a clip from QI which was talking about did you see it it was like yeah about how you know who who's you know who's the pack leader and actually the fact that you know David Mech's come out and said hey do you know what that research that I did it's wrong <laughs> uh, and he's you know trying to get the message out that it's not it's not correct ever since but it's interesting how the alpha pack theory has sort of stayed in sort of in pop culture if you like but uh, yeah it's, it's, it's frustrating for us obviously but um, yeah very interesting okay so what would you say is the best thing that you can get an owner to do or or a puppy parent could do to make their puppy grow into a nice dog? <laughs> so that's a really hard question because there's probably yeah. not just one thing, but no, it, it, you know yeah. what? There isn't, but so I I think from my perspective, and again it comes back to that training versus behavior, that line for me, you can train everything anything you like you know you could I think there's a there's a big idea that you know if I train my puppy it'll be a really well-behaved puppy um but actually for me I think the biggest predictor of having a a robust confident well-behaved dog is that relationship with their owner Mm -hmm. you know if they feel if that puppy looks at their owner and goes I feel safe with you I know that you know, I feel secure. I know that you've got my back. I don't have to worry about stuff because you're there to protect me, whatever that looks like. That All the fun things in my life come from you. You know, I get all my good games from you. I get to go out for these amazing walks. I get all these awesome experiences where you are there to support me if I need it. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, that's probably the biggest predictor you could have a dog that doesn't know how to do anything. It doesn't know how, do you know what I mean? Doesn't, it doesn't, it, know how to sit. It, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't even know how to do to sit. But if it's happy and healthy, like for me, that's that's the biggest predictor for me of having a, a well-behaved dog. Because actually, if you think about it, right, you've got a dog or a puppy that is just loves being around their owner, right? So you go out for a walk and, oh, look at that. Puppy's got an amazing recall because it wants to be with its owner. So you don't really have to, train it as such like yes you're going to be fighting against you know as it gets older and other things become more interesting but it just makes that so much more easy you know you want your dog to walk nicely on lead well isn't it amazing if you've got such good focus from your puppy because they just love hanging around you you know it just makes the training side of things so much easier Mm. um so yeah for, for me that if 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 I if I could give anybody like a brand new puppy owner like one piece of advice, it's mm. you know don't stress yourself like you know teaching them a paw and teaching them a sit and teaching them a. Da- I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, it's great and that is one of the ways that you can build a relationship with your puppy by doing cool awesome stuff with them. It's one of the things. Far more important for me is that building that trust building that safety building that security so that puppy can just go out into the world going I'm okay because dad dad mum dad's got my back that that to me is the most important thing I think it makes me think of those people that um when I used to do puppy classes you'd get kind of big kind of gruff men who Mm -hmm. maybe weren't they weren't all oh let's do this with our puppy they would still train in a really nice way yeah but their puppies would absolutely love them because they just had such a good relationship it's not saying that you have to um be the best handler or have the best mechanics when you're training because if you just have that relationship like you said your puppy will will do all of those things I think that's an amazing piece of advice they just I mean that's the the beauty of working with dogs right it's just they're so so willing to learn in most cases and so willing to please and so forgiving really in the grand scheme of things 
I mean, I don't know if you have you ever tried to do like training a chicken or training a cat. Yes. You know I mean, you treat you start trying to train another species, and you very very quickly go, oh yeah, dogs are very forgiving yeah. of the human error part of <laughs> training, right? So yeah, a hundred percent. Like you know, they're just they're amazing creatures, and we're so lucky. We're so lucky to have them. Um, and it's just such a privilege to to build a relationship with with a dog and have that as part of your family yeah. unit. It's just yeah, so such a lovely thing. Oh, it definitely is. Really? And going from kind of the best advice, what have you got? Any of the worst advice that you've heard that you're happy to share? Oh, <laughs> I mean, there's 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 some there's some rubbish out there isn't there really yeah do you know what the one thing I'm, I mean this is probably you know it's 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 quite a serious one but it's because I just bang on about it all the time because I just mm. think the more this message gets out there the better the leaving them to cry on the first night when they come home oh I know I, yeah I, that is my that is a big one for me as well I, yeah I it it breaks my heart because mm. going back to what we were saying earlier about you know building trust be it building safety building security you know we've got this this gorgeous little squish ball of a puppy who's you know lived its life with mum and litter mates and has you know gone to sleep and has been all cuddled up and warm in a familiar environment and it's you know it's all been lovely hopefully um and then you know we bring them home and they are in a brand new environment new smells new sounds and I'm not denying that you know the owners obviously you know love and adore this puppy but you know they haven't got that relationship yet because how could you you've not spent time with them yet so you know this puppy's just now on its own and the idea of leaving that puppy on its own and the fact that if it's crying it's the 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 message that gets put across is it is trying to get your attention it's attention seeking don't go to it because it will learn that attention seeking gets what it wants. And it's kind of just heartbreaking, really, isn't it? Because that puppy is crying because it's distressed. And yes, it's trying to get your attention because it's distressed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not denying yeah. that it's trying to get attention, but there's a very valid reason for it needing that attention mm. right there and then. Um, and I think people worry, don't they, that they're going to build a rod for their own back. But it's kind yeah, of you hear that phrase a lot yeah, yeah. it's that it's yeah. that oh but if I if I sleep with the puppy so you know I always say to owners it's entirely up to you how you want to do it you can sleep yeah. upstairs with the puppy or the puppy can sleep upstairs with you right mm-hmm. but it's I think people worry that they're gonna always have to sleep with their puppy well actually some people don't like I, I still have my dog in my room I, yeah <laughs> I don't have a you know there's nothing wrong by the way of having dogs yeah. in your room it's fine but you know if that's not the not the life you plan there's nothing wrong with that either but the puppy does need to learn to tolerate that you know gradually right so the counterintuitive part of that is the understanding that the more safe that the puppy feels the more okay it is going to be being left on its own so to to build that safety and that trust you need you know you need to make sure that they can sleep through the night you need to be with them you need to be there so that when they wake up in the middle of the night and go oh god this is a new place where the hell am I you can be like it's all right mate I'm here don't worry cool you know yeah. or it gets up and it needs the loo and it's stressing because it's like oh god I need to go to the loo it's all right we'll take you outside not a problem yeah. you know so I think that's that's for me that's that's the worst advice because I think that's so damaging me too yeah. it's those those puppies who don't get that support in those, those very very initial stages that's that's the bit that I think is you know it's just a shame really and it it can have an impact on that relationship and that's again not to scaremonger it's not like you know if you do that you're never going to be able to come back from that obviously you know there are other things we can do but I think yeah making sure that that puppy has that safety security support in that very first initial night is is so crucial yeah and I think you'll get people that say, um, well, I did that with my puppy and my puppy's fine. And and usually their puppy is fine. But I think it's going back to that, like in that moment of that distress, that puppy's not, not fine. fine. That puppy is very, very yeah. as distressed as an animal can possibly yeah. get. So I think it's even it, it can have those fallouts and it can affect separation. You know, I've seen it separation yeah. down the line. Yeah. But even if you do have that really robust puppy that cries for a few nights and then mm-hmm. gets over it, it's still thinking like but that. I've brought I've I've chosen to bring this animal in yeah and yet I'm going to leave them to be distressed and it's and again it's not um I think once people make that shift it's very easy to to then go 
Oh, and when they realize that it doesn't mean that you're going to have to sleep downstairs with them every single night. It's only for however a short amount of time in the grand scheme of things. So I think that's an amazing, um, amazing one to think of. The words you just used there, that that shift, I think that's the important bit because I think it's very easy going into sort of puppy or dog ownership with a sort of the mentality of, well, this is a pet, this is an animal, not thinking of it as um, a family member. It, and that's not to say that, you know, that's not in a derogatory way. I think that's quite normal. Um, yeah, people, it it's that, I think we're only just, you know, there's research out there. We're only really just starting to understand that, you know, the, the human dog bond, the, the relationship, how close it can be to the parent-child relationship. Um, and I mean, and that goes down a whole other rabbit hole of, you know, <laughs> how how par you know parenting styles and you know how parents um you know there's there's lots of different ways and lots of schools of thought right um and I think that's the key thing for us is our mentality is you know we're looking at building a trusting safe relationship so there's that really secure relationship that really strong bond there but it is like a um it is like a, a parent child relationship um, and I think there are a lot of people out there who do sort of look at that and, you know, they, it's that going down that anthropomorphic, I almost could never say that word, anthropomorphological, yeah. that one. <laughs> that one. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I'm not saying that we should treat, you know, dogs like babies. It's, it, but mm. there is a point where you have to say, well, no, like I was saying earlier, you know, they are an individual who is autonomous. They have their own thoughts and feelings and they are their own individual being. So, you know, we have to kind of work with the animal that is in front of us. You know, we can't go into this judging it on, oh, well, my last dog didn't do this. Well, mm. your last dog wasn't this dog. So that's quite normal. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you're, you're talking about that shift. I think that's that's something that everybody kind of has to go through. It's that it's a, just a really minute change in mentality from, well, this is just a dog that I have to actually this is a this is an individual part, you know, a part of my family unit. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. And I think that almost goes back to kind of the puppy blues. I think we spoke about this earlier, but the puppy blues where people bring their puppy home and they think it's going to be mm. absolutely amazing. Mm. And then I, we spoke about it a bit in the beginning, but it then turns into <laughs> stress. You're not sleeping. Yeah. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling frustrated. You've started yeah. to not like your puppy. Is there anything that you, any advice that you could give for owners that are going through that to try and make it better? I mean, it's not helpful, is it? Because it's that whole, it will, it, it will get better. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's, I think that's the first thing is, you know, just acknowledging that this is, just acknowledging that this is a very normal thing actually um it's a bit like mental health stuff in general like the more people talk about it the more we normalize it um and I don't think certainly when I so when Cammy was a puppy eight years ago I don't think I'd really heard the term puppy blues I don't think I was aware that that was a normal thing um and I think if I had known that other people experienced that I maybe would have felt less anxious and less stressed um that's only part of it though isn't it because even if someone tells you this is normal if you're an anxious person like I am you, it doesn't you're still anxious and you're still stressed so I think um again one of the sources that I think of the, the big amounts of stress especially for people with puppy blues my, my certainly my experience of owners who come to me with puppy blues is like I said earlier they've just done so much reading that they've got themselves overwhelmed they're often the overthinkers they are the people who are really conscientious it's, it, those are the people who are susceptible I, I find to the puppy blues mm -hmm. so I think finding a good reliable source of information whether that is a really good blog or a really good vlogger or a really good local trainer or behaviorist who can be your one source of information. So you're not getting bombarded with all this information that's just completely conflicting. That's probably a, a big, big one. Um, and just, I know it sounds really daft, but well, it, it shouldn't, this is the point, you know, this is the point about normalizing, right? Reaching out for support, because mm -hmm. I think, like you say, it's, it's the, I'm not getting enough sleep because <laughs> I'm yeah because the puppy's either keeping me up or I'm 
this is how I experienced it. It was the puppy's sleeping fine, but I am waking up listening to see if she's sleeping okay. So yeah. I wasn't getting the sleep that I needed. Yeah. And if anyone, I don't know, I'm I'm awful when I don't get sleep. <laughs> I'm terrible. And it, it really feeds into that stress cycle. You know, you get more stressed, so you sleep less, so you get more stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think definitely sort of reaching out to, you know, other people, whether that's other puppy owners who are going through the same thing. And I think this is the flip side where social media can be really helpful, right? To connect mm-hmm. with people. Um, but you know, going, you know, even going to a puppy class and, you know, talking about it with other puppy owners in your class. Like I know that when I run my puppy classes, because I run a six week course, so they're all roughly the same age when they start. So the owners are all going through the same thing at the same time. So we can be like, right, guys, what awful things have you been experiencing? (laughs) Yeah. Um, That can be really, really helpful, I think. Mm. Um, Well, even just reaching out for support from other people. So I know when my mum got her puppy, I had to go and stay over (laughs) because (laughs) she was going through the, you know, sleeping at night. And I was like, I'll come and sleep and I'll take over for a bit. And even just asking someone else in the household or yeah. someone else to to come and help you in, in that way yeah I think that can be quite useful as well yeah I mean how many times do I find that you know it's a family dog that's been brought in because the family all wanted the dog but actually it's let's be honest usually mum mm-hmm. is now being left to deal with everything on top of quite normally you know a full-time job and having to run the household you know all these things that as women that we are expected to sort of hold and juggle and now we've got this extra thing um so I think that can really feed into that and like you say just sitting down and putting a plan together especially if you've got older kids sort of right let's share this responsibility let's be really clear about who does what and when um because that can also help the puppy right because now we've got everybody involved so the puppy's building really good relationships with everybody people are less stressed in the household so that's always good for puppy because being in a household growing up when everybody's stressy that's not fun for puppy either um you know and it just means that everybody's kind of getting hands-on and and doing things so I think yeah definitely having a little think about yeah developing some sort of I don't want to call it a rotor but you know what I mean I was thinking the word rotor yeah yeah, (laughs) that sounds really really tedious and boring but you know it's it's that sort of idea um make sure that the responsibilities are shared essentially yeah yeah absolutely well I think we have (laughs) spoken all things puffy it's been amazing thank you so much you've shared so so much I think people are gonna hopefully come away from this and feel like they don't need to worry so much about their puppy and if they are worried they've got an idea of what they can actually go and do now because that's that takes the weight off your shoulders in itself. So um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. no, it's been amazing having you on. And for anyone that's looking to work with you or wants to find out more, could you just share where people can find you sort of your Facebook? Um, I know you're, you've got a website that's coming in development. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be amazing. It's been nice and confusing for everybody. So at the moment I'm trading under um, pause off is my um, business name. So I run um, classes and do one-to-ones in Surrey, Hampshire and Berkshire. Um, You can find me on Facebook and I have a website. But like I say, because I am now making this shift to working with puppies, there is some exciting new sort of website and uh, social media will will be changing over. So the new name will be Puppy Tales. So um, hopefully before Christmas. So yeah. And that's T-A-L-E-S, like stories. Like stories, yeah. Yeah. So the way I sort of explain it is um, the way we pass knowledge, like humans throughout history, the way we've passed on knowledge is through stories. You know, that's the whole point of fairy tales. The whole idea is to be able to pass on, you know, important moral moral stories in a way that is easy to understand. Um, And that's how I kind of view what I do. It's, you know, I've, I've, you know, acquired all this knowledge, acquired all this wisdom. Let me pass it on. Because actually, you know, that's the whole point, right, is, you know, when you acquire knowledge, you want to be able to pass it on so that other people can benefit from that. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the idea behind Puppy Tales is taking all that knowledge that I've soaked up and just going here, have some. 
yeah. here. This will hopefully be helpful for you. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. And I'll put everything when you, I'll put the current website in the show notes so anyone yeah. that's listening can go and click on it. And I'll also update it once that's all come through as well. So people, because I'm sure you're going to be having people uh, want to come find you because you cover a massive area as well. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um that's brilliant so thank you so much for oh, coming on thank honestly. you for having me I've had an amazing time oh <laughs> I can so talk about pleased. this forever this is great you know, we were like we need to make sure we keep it yeah, uh, yeah. not too long because it could literally go on for hours so um yeah no that's been amazing so thank you so much for coming on and um yeah hopefully people will be in contact yeah thank you how incredible was that episode? I imagine you feel like you needed a pen and paper to take some notes on that one. Nicole shared so much and I'm so grateful for her to come on. So again, you can find Nicole. At the moment, her website is www.pause-off.co.uk, but she is changing that to her new brand, which is Puppy Tales, T-A-L-E-S. And that will all be updated in the show notes, like I said. And you can also find her if you search for Puppy Tales Training on Facebook too. And I'd really love to know how you found this episode so please do message me at dogman mindset on instagram and let me know what you thought and your takeaways because that's so useful and it's always nice to hear that people are enjoying the content as well if you've loved it then of course please do leave a happy five star review because that just really helps the content get out there and reach more people and i think that's so important when we're talking about ethical dog behavior and training and mindset and all of that stuff as well and lastly if you are one of those people that have been struggling with the puppy biting yours truly has created a puppy biting bundle so do head over to www.dogmamindset.com puppy because all the information is there i've made it at an incredible price so i would love it if you go and check that out because it's your one-stop shop really to stop your puppy from biting you so thank you so much for listening and i will see you in the next episode 